When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pucks with Ags is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my stuff at joehaggerty.substack.com. All kinds of articles about the Bruins and the NHL. Uh, please subscribe to the premium package and you will get all content that I write sent right to your email inbox. Uh, with me today, uh, my good buddy from the Standard Times, Mick Collagio. Uh, Mick, thank you for joining me as always. Before we get into it, I just want to say quickly a uh, shout out to our sponsors, FanDuel uh, Sportsbook. It's NFL season. It's time to get involved uh, with the betting and, and throw some money in there. And usually you get more than that back when it comes back at your FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, they're not popular because they're they're hoarding all the money. They're giving it back to their bears and, and people that are winning. Uh, also, let's give a little shout out to Factor Meals. Again, America's number one ready to eat meal kit. Uh, you, if you've got less than two minutes or two minutes to get a meal prep, that's who you want to go with. Uh, we'll get more to them later, but Mick for right now, uh, let's go through a little bit of Bruins news here. Um, first off selfishly for us, captain's practice is coming. Mm. Uh, we've got the announcement that we're actually going to go to the rink, see some skating, talk to some players. Just how excited are you to get the juices flowing and to get back, uh, into the, the mix of, uh, talking to some players and getting hockey going here. A cool, clean, crisp morning brings a tear to my eye. I mean, you know, I expect to hear the marching band down the street telling me there's a high school football game coming up Saturday morning or Friday night. But, but, uh, yeah, I mean, hockey's, I, I get the hockey in the air and, uh, next thing you know, uh, it's coming quick and I can't wait. Um, I do find it weird that there's like three captain's practices over a 14 or 21 day pair, whatever the heck that is. It's yeah. a, it's a strange thing to have such a hard schedule. It used to be such an informal phenomenon. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's our age showing, right? Where it used to be, you just showed up when you knew they were going to be down there and start talking to them. And it wasn't even sort of anything organized or administered by, uh, you know, the, the Bruins staff or anything like that. It's a whole different ball game now where it's, but it's like that in every facet of, of covering professional sports where it's all sort it's of all about the player, the player security drives the bus. Yes. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So like, that's what it's, that it is now. And it also uh rookie camp is getting going. And that's part of the reason there's such a big uh, gap between them uh, where I think rookie camp is going to be. Everybody's got to go to Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to be talking to those guys in Boston and then they go to Buffalo and, you know, I, to be honest with you, like, uh, I think three or four days really is all we need, uh, to talk to the players before training camp even starts. I think there's some pretty, pretty, uh, cut and dry storylines as, uh, to this team and what's going on and, uh, training camp. And, and, and there's also a lot of question marks. Like we're not going to know a lot as far as assessing this team and, and where they are, who they are, how the pieces are going to fit all that stuff. Uh, until we see actual games and training camp practices and, you know, so many of the unknowns become known a little bit and we learn 
how these new combinations are work, how the center spots are going to work, all that stuff. You know, obviously a defenseman, I think, is a pretty known quantity in goalies, but uh, all eyes are going to be pointed towards the forwards, and that's a real unknown with all the new combos coming into training camp. Right. We got Zaka and we got Coyle. Who else is going to play center? Yeah. And there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's like, a, and it's a, yeah, I think it's, boy, there's probably 16, 16 wannabes and maybe, uh, you know, five legitimate candidates. But but even Coyle and Zaka, um, there's a lot of unknowns because Coyle uh, is going to be a you know potentially not probably. I think the first and second line will be fairly interchangeable. I don't know if one's going to be a true first line or second line. I think they're going to be both on equal footing. Uh, but you're talking about Charlie Coyle being in a much more featured spot than he's been in in the past, and you know uh, he was on with uh, Wei last week uh, during the Jimmy Fun Telethon and talked about how excited. Uh, that he was for that opportunity and and how ready he was for it. And he certainly showed that uh, during the playoffs last year when he was in that spot. But, you know, the night in, night out, being a top six center in the NHL is not something he's really been in Boston. So that's going to be very new, as well as playing with Brad Marchand and, Jay, and, and Jake DeBrusque. That is also going to be very new and something we haven't seen much of. And, you know, Zaka in the middle with, with Pasternak and probably James Van Riemsdyk, uh, as a uh, great article by Steve Conroy this week, he sat down with Jim Montgomery and Montgomery kind of mapped things out where that's what he's looking at is uh, Brad Marchand, Charlie Coyle, uh, Jake DeBrusque, and then um, Pasternak, Zaka, and James Van Riemsdyk, at least to start. So like even those top six, there's a lot of unknown as to how those combos are going to work, how Zaka is going to work as a full-time center. You know, they're obviously good players, but there's a lot to sort of look at and dissect as far as chemistry and how those pieces are going to work together goes. Let's be honest. This is a podcast, so we can say it. The, the, uh, that is neither the outcome that he nor the man Bruins management want. Right. So, but like a high school basketball coach, you put the seniors on the floor to start the season, even if you know you get a sophomore, a freshman who you needs to necessarily go through the process of earning his spot. You have to let that play out. But they know the outcome that they want because they know what they believe about the players. For them, ideally, Coyle becomes the captain of the bottom six, like he has been, and holds down that. And they get an emerging candidate who can support Marshan and DeBrusque, whether it's a plumber like Morgan Geeky or, uh, or more of a skills guy. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, they got to figure out something there so that they can have, uh, you know, a, a real uh, top nine credibility to their lineup and not have a hodgepodge bottom six. Because yep. if, if you pull up coil, that means you had to not that you wanted to. So so uh, in as much as he's a wonderful player uh, and capable of playing, as you we talked in last time you had me on about, you know, in short segments and that, and, and hold up his, his end of it. Uh, and more than that, uh, he was terrific. Hey, if the Bruins found any one of 17 ways to beat the Panthers in that series, uh, which they seemed like they had 17 ways that they could have done it and, yep. and failed at all 17, uh, Charlie Coyle would have been, would have been a con Smythe discussion at that point. He played a great series <laughs> after the first round, no doubt. And like, that's, you know, I have no doubt that they can do it in spurts. Like they were doing it in, in Florida at the beginning of that series with Krejci and Bergeron out. It was Aka and, and Coyle. And I have no doubt that there's going to be nights where they're going to be perfectly fine in those spots. And I think they will be in those spots because I'm not sure that anything that they don't, I'm not sure they have any freshmen or sophomores. They're going to be pushing them. Unfortunately, like, I think that's, 
probably what we're going to see at the end of training camp and the start of the season is that those are the real viable top six candidates that they have. And maybe Morgan geeky, like I'd put him in a category where maybe he, they project him to, you know, he can elevate his game, but like, well, you're, you're gonna, you you're consider the line it. driving talent of Martian and the scoring uh, talent yeah. that the has and how he's become a three zone player. Then, then, then you can have a plumber be your center and a physical element in that. Yeah. It's probably, you know, and a right-handed shot. But know, I don't think they think Morgan Geeky's a plumber. I, I feel like they think he's a little better than that. And there's some upside there that they Well, I don't seen. mean it. I don't mean it plumber as in that's all you're good for. I mean, right. I mean, I think that they think he's got upside to explore here. Yeah. Um, but that's a lot to trust somebody in a top six role. You know what I mean? Like he's going to have to really, really prove that. And I, I'm much more sort of, uh, pessimistic about him being able to do that night in and night out and also the jake debrusque aspect of it how much of that was a bergeron effect where he was a three zone player where he was you know much more effective the last couple of years you remove that line driving center from it does all of a sudden he sort of his performance drop or he's not the player that we seemed to think he was the last couple of years. This is what I mean by there's a lot of very well, I know what you're saying. Yeah, that there's you a can, lot of, you can put a lot an of X, things going on. I agree you can put an X factor there. I'm confident that that Debrusca is gonna prove that he is the player that we saw before he got injured winning the winter classic, but um before the Bruins. But uh but it's I, a big I, difference I, lining up it, at right wing with Bergeron as your center or Morgan Geeky as your center. You know what I mean? Sure, that's, absolutely. That's, that's my now point. now there's more on your shoulders and I think Marshan's yep. been been gradually assimilating uh, the line driving role there, and Bergeron sort of became the hovercraft. Let's yep. see, it's kind of like a dad playing with his two sons, you know, <laughs> uh, and 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 watching over them, and sort of just being there, letting them play the game, and then going in when he needs to. That's sort of me with Bergeron's last five years were, and Marshan was sort of the driver of the, of the play, and and now I think that that's going to be even more so the case but in a different way because there'll be a more specific role for whoever their center is. Yeah. And it'll be interesting. I mean, that's what we're all going to be watching. Um, it's nice that Mont Monty kind of outlined what it's going to look like at the start of training camp and, and gives the players an idea of who they're going to be playing with to start. And, you know, I, I still feel like at the end of the day, it may be, Coyle and Zaka to start the season and they're going to try to get through the first few months with them and then end up making a bigger move down the line because they maybe don't have the personnel where any of those guys are going to be able to handle it on a regular basis, but it'll be interesting. And I, I agree with you that like, no matter what happens, Pasternak and Marchand are going to be the line drivers on those lines. It's not going to be the centers. It's going to be the star wingers uh, that they have. Uh, a little, another news item here. Uh, Danielle Marmer is leaving uh, player development. Uh, for the Boston Bruins, and she's going to be the GM of the Boston entry in that new uh, PWHL uh, Women's League that's going to get off the ground in, in January. Just, uh, you know, she did a really good job player development with the Bruins, I think. Uh, credit to them for promoting people that they have uh, through their mentoring program uh, that they've instituted. And, you know, I'm I'm curious to see how she's going to do. And I also am curious to see how that new Women's League is going to do. And hopefully it's a, it's a rousing success that now we'll get the backing of the NHL because it's one sort of unified women's league and they could start with these original six teams and, and kind of, you know, turn it into something that, that, you know, daughters, uh, girls like my daughter Zoe can look at and aspire to be maybe someday as a hockey player. It's, it's a long time coming that the, the unification and, um, and it's quite a variety uh, involved with these, these general managers. 
And it's nice that they're not trying to do it with 18 teams. Yes. I, you know, so I think that there's, you can always grow. You can always expand, solidify what you have. And it's awesome that Daniel Marmer is, is among those early half dozen. Um, are they an original six? Is that how many there were? I believe there were um, six. Yeah. There's uh, so, what, so Montreal, they, Toronto, Ottawa, uh, Boston, Minnesota, and New York, I think. Yeah. Right. Right. And they're going to keep the branding, right? So it's going to be the pride. It's going to be the riveters. Probably. I don't know about that. That part, yeah. I don't think they were, they were, you know, not sure to that. Yeah. I think, I think that caught right now they're like names TBA. I think they just call them like the city franchise, maybe because they don't have the rights or whatever. I'm not sure. Boston but I, hockey team. Right. You would hope it turns into the Boston pride though. Right. Like, I mean, they've, they've started, they've, they're off to a pretty good start as a franchise in Boston with winning all the uh, Isabel cups. So maybe I know there's a different, you know, there's always philosophical debate when something like this happens that some people feel like there's a uh, departure is the important thing to be distinct and, and say, this is the all new and don't, you won't see any of the old in this carrying over. But I right. think it can also be a huge mistake to not bring along the great supporters of the game that have uh, been involved all along in the various iterations of the NWHL or um, the Canadian version that preceded it. Um, you know, I mean, some of these guys, uh, um, just terrific people and um, with Bobby J and, um, you know, it's just, just tons of them. And, uh, and, you know, they, so I hope that the Paul Maras of the world are, if they want to be involved, that they are. Well, I was going to say, Paul Mara in particular, I saw that uh, just the other day, I think he he's uh, got hired by the Rangers to do something for them. So he might be, uh, he, he, they might be looking for a new coach for the Boston Pride. I don't know if, how that's going to work with him. And You think I would know this? I just, I, I just, I chit-chatted with Peter Laviolette uh, Saturday night. You know, so <laughs> we, were at, we were at a cookout. Oh, really? <laughs> well, we had my cousin, um, Bill uh, and Marie, is Peter's mother-in-law. Oh, okay. And uh, and so uh, she married her high school sweetheart from Norwood, who played with Richie Hebner, went on to win the World Series with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Richie Hebner, um, yes, I remember. Yes, that. yeah, yeah. He was that first one of the first great high school hockey player I, rem- I remember watching up at uh, Four Seasons Arena in Walpole when I was a was I was a Ute. I've got and, plenty uh, of Richie Hebner baseball cards. Yeah, <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Um, maybe I can get in one autograph for you. If you like. <laughs> uh, but in any case, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Billy Hassenfuss, um, you know, married my cousin, Ann and, uh, and then, uh, Ann's, their daughter, Kristen married Peter. So, uh, you know, so Peter's been in the family, um, you know, since the nineties. So, uh, you know, so we had a fun shit chat, uh, you know, after golf because of the, he has a, his, uh, his brother-in-law Billy uh, does a, a charity golf tournament every summer, and so I hacked around in that uh, last Saturday. How'd you shoot him, Mick? You know what? For as, how often I didn't play this year, um, I uh, I wasn't I wasn't terrible. My my short game was surprisingly good. Um, I hit kept most of my drive straight, but I've lost a lot of distance. Well, the, the, I mean, these old bones don't I was do what say. they used to do. You just described old man golf to a T. That's it right there. <laughs> I can't believe I've become that player. Good, I good short be game, good putting, and everything is short and straight. I used to be drive for show, <laughs> putt for humiliation. You know, now now, now I've, I've, I've become my grandfather. Yes, um, t- I got, times have reversed themselves. <laughs> I know this is a little off topic, but, you know, it just occurred to me while I was thinking before we went on today, 
uh, last season's Bruins team, if I start with the, you know, say 13 forwards and I just go Marshan Bergeron, DeBrusque, Zaka, Krejci, Pasta, Taylor Hall, Coyle, Bertuzzi, Felino, Noshek, Freddie, and had yep. Hathaway as 13. Doesn't matter the order. That's not the point. And yep. then look at their ages last year um, as listed on hockey reference at the start of the season. And they were th- average 30 years old up front. This year, if I looked according to cap friendly and I go down the line as far as the top um, uh, paid forwards and work whittle my way down. Uh, and it's a ends up a conventional lineup because there's so many 22 year old interchangeables near the bottom and Lauco is 23 now. Yep. So uh, with that in 28.5. And you also, and, you also removed the two oldest players to retirement. So then I did, I did, I did well. not include Alex chase on he's unsigned. Yep. And I think, you know, I don't know if, if uh, you know, there's a relationship with the agent and Hey, can you give him a PTO? Come yep. on. You know, or over, it's really more of a thing where, uh, Don Sweeney just cannot stop himself from putting as many veterans as he can in front of in front of um, a prospects like a picket fence and say, here's your bar leap over it. But I mean, they will be younger, though, to your point. They're going to be younger this coming season. For no question, because they're going to be younger at the end of the season than they are right now. This is oh, a yeah. classic season. This is like 1991-92. Yes. Yes. You had Brent Ashton and, uh, you know, some of those, you know, retreads from the minnesota north stars of the 80s and you wind up with it by the end of the year you have an olympic year so then you've got juno heinz donato glenn murray pops up from junior and suddenly there's this completely different feel to the to the uh front of the, now we don't have one of those seasons coming up but i have a funny feeling that the fact finding mission is going to yield a certain uh endorsement of players under the age of 24 who yeah. are going to uh, take spots yeah and i i mean i Mason Lowry, and I would I would look at and as one of those guys potentially to come in, Ooh. and Mason Lowry, uh, the defenseman, towards the end of the year. You know what I mean? Not at the beginning. I think he's got times and things to work on. But I think well, to- even with the, even with Ian Mitchell, because um, I mean, I feel like he's the Shattenkirk, and then they signed Shattenkirk. Yeah. So so but then, I, but so the- then, what do you what do you go what do you go from there? Does Lowry find his way into this mix? And it's maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I would think so. Well, it's going to happen through injury or through, or maybe there'll be a deal with Drew Grizz later, later in the season. Well, that, that's you know? what, that's what I'm thinking is more. If he shows that he's ready in Providence, that frees them up to trade a veteran, put him into the lineup and, you know, the salary cap turnover starts to happen uh, that they've, they need to happen anyway. And like, it's still incumbent on Don Sweeney to, try to find ways to recoup some draft picks that he's traded away if he can. And that's a good way to do it. If you have young players um, that can supplant veterans that you can trade away and, and start to get some kind of yield of, of draft picks back it, along with salary cap uh, relief. So I, I, I mean, I think all that stuff is going to be in play. I, I think, you know, this is going to be, it's a transition year for the Bruins. And I think there's a lot of, there's, not too much that's going to be ruled out as something you you can't do here. You know what I mean? Like, which is hard because on the other hand, it's important that the coach establishes certain. I mean, he has certain little things he can plug together and say, "Okay, I have this." Right. What does he have? He has Carlo and Lindholm. He has a great goaltending tandem. He has Zaka and Pasta. He has Martian and DeBrusque. 
yep. there's certain things that we we can pretty much ex expect that he's not going to tinker with certain building blocks because your foundation has to exist somewhere. Right. You have to have you have to have it somewhere. And and whatever you do, whether whoever Charlie plays with predominantly or it's based on what they're facing, the kind of team they're playing against, uh, you know, or what they want to get out of, you know, their offense. Uh, yeah. I, but I but I don't but this is a weird year for that. So you have kind of, it's the exact it opposite of last year. There's there's way more X factor, way more moving parts than there are uh, those that are um, etched in stone. Yeah, and exactly. I don't think they're going to be married to anything because I don't think this is going to be you know anything close to what that team was uh, on the ice and in and the standings last year. So they're going to have to entertain all kinds of different things, think about things in a different way, make moves that they weren't going to make the last few years when they were you know, very much legit Stanley cup contenders. I, you know, I, I'm not sure that that is going to be the kind of season that this is going to be, but uh, more on that in a sec, because that actually transitions into something uh, that we're going to talk about next, but real quick, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS network. Uh, get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you do not want to miss. You know, it's a great, great promotions every day. It's a safe and secure app. You get paid instantly when you win, which a lot of people do at FanDuel Sportsbook. So uh, give it a try. Go over and take a look if you haven't yet. Get going with your $200 in bonus bets guaranteed and have some fun with the football season coming up. Um, 21 plus and present in mass. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends N9-1823. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off Sunday NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan is required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. Subscription renews. Cancel anytime. Uh, now, now we now we are on to uh, our, our our main thrust of the discussion here, um, and this was also from Steve Conroy's uh, article with Jim Montgomery this week in the Herald, um, where and I wrote about this over at Substack. Um, after uh, this is Jim Montgomery talking, and I am asking this in the vein of the question: Are we underestimating this Bruins team going into this season? Um, any references last year after our regular season, I think a lot of people forget all the question marks on our team before last year. I think it's very similar to this year that we're a bubble team. And that's what people were saying about us last year. What I like is we have tremendous opportunity. I know we have great players. I know we have really good leaders. For me, the exciting part is how good can we be? I don't know what our ceiling is yet, and that's what makes this training camp a little more exciting than last year's because there's a lot more moving parts. Some people look at it as daunting, 
I don't, I look at it as an opportunity for a lot of players to become real good Bruins for us and for us to find out our identity as a team and how we're going to win games this year. And, and part of that is the glass is always full. Jim Montgomery, very optimistic, very energetic and positive about his team. Uh, but to his point, and I think he makes a good point, uh, people were talking about that Bruins a year ago, at exactly this time, people were not excited about that Bruins team. They were saying that they were a bubble team, a wild card team at best, not uh, not happy coming out of the playoff series from uh, the spring before where they'd lost to the Hurricanes in the first round. Uh, not There was not a lot of uh, anticipation or excitement about the Bruins at all. And as it turned out, you know, everybody was wrong and they were way better than anybody thought they could have been or they would be. Um, are we falling into the same trap with the Bruins this year where we're drumming down expectations and, and sort of muting excitement on all levels and basically saying the same thing? They're a bubble team, maybe a wild card team. Are we underselling this team and setting up for another instance where the team's going to be far better than we think? because they there's still a lot of talents on that roster and there are definite building blocks that at, to your point, coach Montgomery is going to have to build around and to sort of rely upon uh, for success against other teams in the league. I don't think it's possible to subtract the players that you subtract from last year's team or place them with the players that were signed or acquired for this year's team. And then, and then say that those, that that concern is without merit. Yeah, or it's not, or, or is no different from last year. I think that that's a litigation argument. I don't think he believes the words that were coming out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's coach BS. No, I, that, think, I mean, that's that, Jim Montgomery. He's like super positive. And positive no, I think any coach has to do it. I don't begrudge yeah. him that, you know, it's just that he's, you know, but he's finding a way to spin. Um, you know, I, I, I do see, here's where I right in the crease, Linus Allmark. It blows my freaking mind that Linus Allmark could have the season he had, take 14 undecided games and swing them Boston's way with grade A turnaways midway through the third period of one goal or tie games. And you see that you look down on the visiting bench and you see them all go like this. And they all patting each other in the hockey tail pad on their way off the ice as if to say, guys, this is two points in any other building. We should have had them tonight. Don't don't hang your head. And that's how several teams left the TD Garden ice last year because of Linus Allmark. Yep. He gets injured right at the end of the regular season. Playoffs are a hot mess. He wasn't good when they weren't good in front of him. And now all of a sudden, that's who he is? All the polls of who the best goalies are in the league, and that's who Linus Allmark is going forward. Is well, not the guy who did what he did in the regular season, but he's the guy who who in the playoffs. And two, find two that to be the most incredible part. Two things. There's a difference between regular season and playoffs. No, at at forward position, at defenseman position, at the goalie position, at, at head coach, coaching staff, like across the board. I think there are two different phenomenons two different uh, styles of play, two different uh, levels of demand uh, for those particular players. It's just two different beasts when you look at it, right? I have no doubt at this point that Linus Allmark can play very uh, an elite level of goaltending during the regular season for about 50 games and 
you know, will will be. He, I think he can recreate what he did during his past regular season during the regular season. Like I think he can play at that level. I'm I'm willing to buy into that, and I've seen enough of that to say he could be that guy. Because once you do something once, you certainly are capable of it again. And he's shown that he has that highest ceiling. My thing about him is that it's not just this past playoff. It's his uh, every you know. It's a it's a pattern now. It's only two uh, years. But it's, it's but two years is enough, I think, to start to make uh, a determination. He was injured. What, he was injured in this one. Yeah, so several what other degree, players, though, as we even learned. his GM didn't really back him on the injury, right? You know, there was a lot sick. of there was a he lot was, of there was a lot of wish wash about that because I think people didn't want to people didn't want to um, retell a different story than the one that was being told when they decided to play him. Uh, so I they think, had to they had to hold up to that. My and read, make him accountable for my read on that whole thing was that I think he was looking for an excuse. And so he certainly was injured. There's no question about it. But like, the you know, the the reports of uh, significant injury, whatever it was, that were pretty much poo pooed by the Bruins. Uh, that tells they're going he, to they don't want the opponent to think that he's no, this was after the playoffs were over, Mick. This was this was Don Sweeney after it was over basically saying that whatever Omar was playing through was not even close to what Bergeron was playing through trying to basically saying it was not a significant injury. So like, I'll, I'll give him a bit of a mulligan for the injury, but like you also have to call it like it is where he's had two playoffs in a row where he has not played well. And he also, I think where it's definitely a formed opinion at this point that like the more he plays, the more the effectiveness goes down and he's not going to be able to play like a, a huge workload over a long Not period. Be Marty, of time. Marty Brodeur. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's going to need a, a number two or a one A that can play thirty five games during the regular season, and yeah. a guy that, and a guy that's going to be able to you know spell him in the playoffs. Because I, I I think at this point what I see out of Linus Allmark is he's not a guy that night in night out for two months in the playoffs is going to be able to maintain his his uh, mental and physical performance. And like we've seen it now a couple times in a row, and you know I, I certainly maybe yeah, I'm 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 not I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna just respectfully uh, not sign up to that no, no that's fine. To, to that continuum. I need a third season in order to to feel uh, like uh, like they're like I can connect the dots of twenty two and twenty three. Yeah, I, I can give Hampus Lindholm a third season because I think he had a legit injury against Carolina. And, you know, the, he talked about how he had a fractured foot, whatever. He was able to play and he didn't really miss time down the stretch. Uh, you know, he he mentioned that as as part of the reason he was dreadful in, in that play. He played like he was walking Florida. on coals. He was right. No, he did. Series. And, he, yeah, he, he looked like something was up with him. There's no doubt about it. Like, he – Omar, to me, didn't really look like he was hurt. He looked like he was completely out of sorts when I was watching him play. He was taking himself out of plays. You know, he was hyperactive in the net and he was doing things that, like – I, I I didn't You're feel not like right. That's what you do. Yeah, but it, it wasn't like he was like slow to get up or anything like that. You know what I mean? There were certain things you see with goalies where you know that they're hurt and significantly hurt. Um, and, well, and you're right. It could remember affect- the other Tim Thomas lost his job to Tuca. Oh nine yeah. ten. Right. Okay. Yep. We found out right after breakup day that Tim Thomas had hip surgery. Yep. Uh, okay. So he told me after that that he had to play a different way in order to make saves because of the injury right he it was yep. forced him to do it different yep. and he wound up reinventing himself on the 
and playing a spectacular practice sessions. Him and Marshan had this incredible thing down in Philadelphia as Wells Fargo, whatever they called it at the time. Yeah. Um, where, where, uh, they were playing the Marshan was a black ace. Yep. Um, and, uh, boy, it would have been great if he was in that series. Uh, they, instead they went with Trent Whitfield. God bless him. <laughs> One of my yeah, favorite you know, guys, and he, and he, he was and playing he, instead of Martian in that place. And and who had a break? Who had a clean breakaway that if he scores, it's over in four straight. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, we don't want to go back there. So. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I want to see. I want another year out of Linus before I decide that there's a continuum uh, and an opinion for me as far as his. Not that I want him to be one of those. I'm not a big fan. Yeah. I like I like the two goalie thing. I like there to be I like there to be a two a two uh, two guys and one guy a lead guy a second guy, but the second guy to be a really good guy, you know. And and I feel yeah. like that's exactly what they have. They do, but like I, the, you know, and and maybe Elmark uses like what's going on now as motivation, and it's a completely different story. And that would be great. That'd be a great story if it happens. But I I do feel like. I'm very dubious about him being able to play every other game for two months in the playoffs and do what Tim Thomas did in 2011 at this point, like after what I've seen out of him. So like that part, like changes my sort of calculation about him as a player in general, if he needs somebody both regular season, the playoffs to be able to support him and he can't do it by himself, you know, like Mm -hmm. that, that sort of changes my idea, but, but beyond the goaltending just in general, um, like, are you, where are you on the, 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 you know, the thermometer finish, whatever, where are you on the thermometer of, of, I was, I loved, I, when Ottawa came in last year, I looked at their D and I thought, holy crap, these guys are going to be tough when they get it figured out and a little yeah. more maturity. They are nasty. And Buffalo, look yep. at their defense. I'm thinking yep. these are going to be tough outs. These teams are, may not and, have a lot going up front. The Bruins are saying, yeah. Detroit's a lot better too. Right, right, but you know something, Eisenman seemed to take a step back and and uh, and sort of recognize that things had really fallen, you know, forward for their team the way he he originally thought projected, and that now he's sort of behind those two. I think in his own mind, at least that's what he said publicly. Maybe he's playing for us, playing me for a fool. I but, mean, when you uh, look at the roster, they're a lot better than they were last year. They made a lot of changes this off season. Um, yeah. And I think they've brought in significant talent and they've got some young players. Most siders awesome. Like they've got some really good. Yeah. He's a really impactful player. So I, 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 goaltending I I think is still a question mark, but like I, the point being, I think everybody in that division, you know, Montreal probably still a year or two away, but they're going to be tougher to play too. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't even know if Montreal has a path in the next five years because the Bruins are not that old a team anymore. Right. So in in and I don't I look at them I think that the disappointment over what could have been in the spring and what turned out not to happen I think has really uh, become too much of a black cloud over an objective look of what this team should be when I get take the temperature of the fans oh they're going to be terrible they're going to suck I'm thinking like well you know if you think that 09-10 Bruins team that went just as far as the 08-09 116-point Bruins team went, right. that they sucked because we were halfway through that season, and after the win, winning the Winter Classic, it got really dark for for several weeks, uh, which they had time score, hard time scoring goals. Um, you know, they they were missing some parts up front, but they were – 
they were maturing as a group. They were getting better. They were getting ready for that next season and what would what would follow. We just couldn't see it. And I think that, you know, you look at a lot of these guys now. Freddie's 25. You know, he's 25. Yep. The other guys are 20. Jack got 26. DeBrus 26. These guys are now into that second phase of their career, firmly into the second phase of their career, where they're no longer a young guy. Can he do it? No, no, he's our team. He can do it. He can do it now, and he can do it for several years. We are now getting into the sweet spot of these careers. This young nucleus, their time is now. And, yeah, is there is it a lot in their shoulders? Absolutely. Marshan's the old man. Um, yep. You know, so uh, – and I and here's, you know, something else we, that I really hate talking about because I feel like he's given them so much of his body to the Bruins. But Marshan um, only really kind of looked like Marshan for a short spell – last season and then it got rough for him again and and i don't know if there's a pathway for him you know post double labrum i don't i don't really know if he's ever going to be the old guy you know they always have these wonderful oh this is going to repair it this is going to be great it's going to be fine and you know and but he's 35 now and the combination of all those things there's a lot of elite athletes in this world who have had labrum surgery in their 30s that things didn't ever come back for them the way they, I'm not saying the surgery was the problem. It's just that that's where they were in their career. I'm not sure where he is in his anymore. Yeah. I mean, we're still talking about a guy that, what did he have? Like 25 goals and 70 something points or whatever it was. We're still talking about a guy that was, was pretty good last year. Even he finds a way less than but, his best. You know what I mean? If they ever needed him to be the draw, the game driver yeah. that he was for the last few seasons prior to that injury, um, this is when they need it. And I'm not sure yep. it's in there anymore. And so this is really kind of makes it. So when, when I, that's why I don't talk about him much because I don't really know what to expect. He's another X factor. Not that he's not a worthwhile player. I'd keep him around in any level. He could no, be. but there's a lot, but, there's a lot on his shoulders now with there's so much time. there. Yes. Right. And so are these alternate captains practices? <laughs> is that uh, that's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. I didn't even, uh, you know what? That's a good question. We should probably call it alternate captain's practices. <laughs> ACP, for sure. ACP. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've got the Twitter, Twitter, or show social media question of the week, I should say. Uh, this is from Steve Mallow uh, via the Facebook fan page. They're going to have elite defense and goaltending besides Pasta and Martian, though. Will we have enough firepower to score enough goals? That is the million dollar question, Mick. What? Have <laughs> goals to make the playoffs. And uh, have goals to, to be a viable offensive team and make the playoffs. Yeah, to, to, yeah, to make enough playoffs, to win I, games. I th- yeah, I think I think they got enough. I think that there's enough there because if you look at it, um, you're still looking at uh, uh, Marchand, Pasternak, and DeBrusque are three highly coveted wingers that any team would love to have. Everybody yep. knows that this is a donut team now, and. Yep. Uh, and Montreal Canadiens in the greatest season ever assembled, like not ever, but in the in the post-expansion era of 1967 and forward, the 76-77 Canadians, until they uh, get pretty deep into the season, they didn't know who to play between Lafleur and Shuck. It was Pete Mahomlich, then it was Jacques Lemaire, then it was Pete Mahomlich, and then and then finally it was Lemaire, and that's the way it stayed. And and, uh, and Lemaire was a two-way guy; he was not a superstar. He was a hard-nosed, hard-skating, smallish, uh, highly skilled, but 
but understated point production kind of guy. He uh, did he have some really good seasons a few years before that, 72, 73? Yep. But you know, if you got elite talent in the wings, your your center has to be a con can be a good complementary player to them and hold up his end of the three of the 200 foot game. Yep. And if you got that, then you know, I mean, these days, I mean, look how much Marsha Salt was a line driving winger for the um, yeah. in the Martian mold for the Vegas Golden Vegas. Knights. Now, granted, yep. we got a con Smythe here, but I'm talking about when they went to the final the first time. Yeah, I was really that was like a Marsha Salt revelation, considering the Panthers were like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." <laughs> and and, yep. and this guy winds up being a line driving winger. Now, the line driving winger. Has sort of become a, almost a prototypical thing, whether it's Panarum, Pasternak, Patrick Kane, who's a, is a huge uh, model for this. Um, yep. If you don't have the dominant playmaking center, then you then and you can get it from the winger. Um, then then maybe that's your ticket. And I think that's why the Rangers got the wrong players at the deadline last year and loaded up, bringing in more elite wing talent. Yeah, too many wingers. I Not think they were pucks. enamored. I, I'm, I suspect that Chris Dury was enamored by the Bruins in the season they were having and thinking, yeah. how do we match that? And looking at the embarrassment of riches with Taylor Hall, Bertuzzi, you know, yeah. what did they do? They got Kane and was it Tarasenko they got? Yeah. Um, and sometimes, so GM crazy. Just, sometimes GMs just buy into like, especially when they're early on, buy into like that they need to create an all-star team and worry about like where guys are playing later. And you know, that, that doesn't work in hockey. It never yeah, works. People love to talk crap about Mike Keenan, but I'll tell you one thing. The, the changes he influenced on the New York Rangers that led to their 1994 Stanley Cup, that's what the Rangers should have done last year. They yep. needed more grit. They needed more grind. Um, they needed more toughness. Uh, that's the accent. That, and 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 I. that's the one thing about this Bruins team that I would really like to see. I I I've been a Don Sweeney fan since he was in Providence, um, overseeing their prospects. Um, however, in his quest to be a team that can win any kind of game, he hasn't translated it into playoff success in the ultimate prize. Obviously, yep. but it's been harder and harder for him to translate it at all. And and uh, and in going forward. Now that you have a situation you didn't ask for, where you really have to fill in some major holes in your team, I'm thinking this needs to be an opportunity to have uh, bigger, faster, meaner, yep. <laughs> stronger, tougher, more intimidating. If you can't give me my next Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci, then then give me what you can give me. Yes. Give me. Give me more of that of forward thinking and and the muscle to do it. Give me the give me what I can get and fill in that way and at least make the you tell self a tougher out. Well, this is this is why I when we talked earlier, I talked about the two different beasts that the regular season and the playoffs are. You need different kinds of players to have success in the playoffs, especially over a two-month period. But you know, at times to answer or even start. Um, you know, issues with teams like the Panthers rather than either reacting to what they're doing or not reacting at all, which is even worse um, to, to them pushing you around and really upping the physical ante. And 
you know, I, it's easier said than done to find a lot of those players that are bigger, faster, meaner, stronger. Like, you know, it, those are coveted players. and They're hard to find. But like now is becoming the time. And I don't think it's going to happen this year. But I think over this season and the next offseason, when they have much more salary cap space, when the salary cap goes up, this is the are, time. Are you still as confident in- as you've been about that? Yes, I am. Okay. Glad that's to hear it. This is, the, this uh, is the time. The feedback I'm getting lately. This is the time to reinvent themselves um, as far as who they are and what they are, you know, because it's oh, going to agree with that 100%. It's going to have to be under those circumstances. This is going to be their opportunity. Uh, this is be, their window. You, you know, didn't ask for it, but now you got it. Make the most of it. Right. But I, I don't necessarily see now as that it's it's next summer. It's a year from now when they're going to have that chance to really do that. They just I don't think are in a situation where they have enough freedom of movement to be able to do anything like that. Um, just given the state that everybody's in salary cap wise right now, I just don't think they're going to be kind of gridlocked until unless your season goes goes south and you want to do some teardowns, but I don't, I I don't foresee that coming unless it's an absolute disaster, uh, for the Boston. A couple of key injuries could do it. If McAvoy got hurt, you know, if all got hurt, I know people love Jeremy Swayman and I think he's terrific too. I just, I thought that his, an underrated part of last season is how his starts were crafted by Montgomery to be um, put him in a position to be successful. Yeah. At the beginning, but I think by midway through the year, that was kind of out the window and he was playing at a very high level and outplaying Allmark at times uh, in the second half of the year. Um, And then he gets put in a really difficult spot in game seven that he should have been put put in a spot earlier in that series. And that whole thing was wrong. Well, that's the flip. (laughs) That's the flip side of the coin with Swayman too, is that Elmark has gotten all these chances to start playoff series. Swayman has been put into tough positions. He has not been afforded uh, a game one start and to see what he can do running with the ball in the postseason. And that's something I'd like to see this time around in the playoffs is him get that opportunity instead of waiting until, uh, you know, something happens with Allmark um, or things go sideways uh, to play him. But neither here nor there, Mick, we'll have you on again to continue to break down all of this stuff and, and talk Boston Bruins. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, FanDuel, uh, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Network. Uh, visit FanDuel.com slash Boston uh, right now, and you can get started with your bets. Uh, with the NFL season, you offer you don't want to miss. And um, Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Go to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off your first box. Not just a pitch man, also a client. Mick, Mick, thank you very much. I will talk to you soon. And everybody else, we'll see you at the rink. Take care.